Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Sundays, we're on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on KWXX and on B97B93. And the interviews rebroadcast the following Fridays at KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. And the Island Conversations discussions are always available as podcasts wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com. This morning, my guest is Ross Birch, Executive Director of the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau. Now that we are welcoming tourists back to the state and the island, and they are coming, I thought it would be a really good time to talk about tourism, what's in store, how we're letting tourists know that they're needed, how we're letting them know the rules, and how we're keeping the island safe. Good morning. Aloha, Ross. Aloha, Sherry. I'd like to start with what exactly is the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau and what is the relationship to Hawaii Tourism Authority? Well, the Visitor Bureau for our island is an extension of the Hawaii Visitor and Convention Bureau on a statewide level. Uh, We're basically the island liaison for that entity. Hawaii Visitor and Convention Bureau has been kind of a similar entity like a Chamber of Commerce with over a 100-year history and a membership that goes way back to the beginning. Currently, the number one role of the HVCP is a contractor with the Hawaii Tourism Authority to do the marketing for the U.S. mainland, as well as create the branding assets for the state. Our island chapter is kind of an extension of that, and we make sure that our branding of our island uh, is brought to the table so that when the overall branding is, is made, our messaging, our needs, and what we want to present as an island is part of that mix. Why do you need to work under a contractor? Why does Hawaii Convention and Visitor Bureau, why is it a contract to Hawaii Tourism Authority? You're all state entities or county entities, aren't you, in some way? We are not. Actually, the Hawaii Visitor and Convention Bureau is a private nonprofit organization, much like a Chamber of Commerce, where our entity is is really created to support its membership. But through the years with the creation of the Hawaii Tourism Authority and the distribution of marketing funds and other assets uh, through a state uh, declared entity, they created contracts uh, for marketing. And And those contracts are for the U.S. mainland, for Japan, for Korea, for China, Europe, uh, Oceania, each one of them has a marketing entity that has contracts to take the brand of Hawaii and spread it into those areas. So HBCB, although we are a nonprofit and the only nonprofit contractor, uh, we are an extension of HTA through that um, process. Well, thank you. I never understood that at all. So very good. Now, Ross, I know that John DeFries, who is head of Hawaii Tourism Authority and lives here on the Big Island, has a long-term vision for tourism. But what I really want to focus on today is what's happening with tourism now. And I'd like to start with 
one of your roles as Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau, as I understand it, is to be an interface with airlines and hotels and others who serve the tourism community. But I know that with COVID-19, your role has changed a bit. I'd just like to talk more with you about where we stand with tourism today from your standpoint. Well, the, not necessarily the reopening, but the welcoming back visitors is the terminology we'll use. From the 15th of October, we've definitely seen a resurgence and demand levels coming back for the islands, travel altogether. And I can explain a little bit more on the recent trip that I've taken, but uh, travel altogether from the mainland seems like people are ready to get out and about and to make that move. But our main focus has always been to support airlines, hotels, activity partners, everyone with getting their message out to the pre-arrival process. And some of that has kind of shifted through the COVID medication process. And even as early as March, we've had our staffing really work a 14-day quarantine, do those calls there. We've also had been involved in the process of looking at what the testing is going to be and the messaging on how we're going to keep our incoming visitors up to date with what the protocol will be once they arrive as well, including working with our hotels on what their processes of upgraded cleanliness and COVID mitigation would look like. Well, when you talk about hotels, we just got some press releases, and I know several of the Kohala Coast hotels are reopening starting as soon as the day we air this interview, November 1st. What's the status of hotels on the Big Island in general? Uh, To this date, there's still been only a few open. Um, We did, from the very beginning, still have hotels open throughout the entire time. Uh, There were three on the east side in the Hilo area and three on the west side that were open uh, almost through the entire time. Which ones were those? On the east side, it was the Grand Naniloa, the Hilo Hawaiian, and Dolphin Bay were a few of the hotels that were open on the east side. And then on the west, it was the Sheraton who remained open, the Holiday Inn Express, and then the Kona Seaside as well. You mentioned that the pre-travel testing program's been in effect since October 15th, so around 15 days now. Last Monday, I heard Dr. Mark Mugishi, who is head of HMSA, say he believes that pre-travel testing is going to show that the percent positive in incoming travelers is the same as or less than the state's positivity rate. And he said that's kind of been borne out by the current post-travel test plan that Hawaii County has implemented where people need to take a second test right at the airport. Now, I know that Mayor Harry Kim has said that he's not particularly pleased with how that's going. He said that earlier this week, and maybe he'll change it or do away with it. But you talked about testing, and I know you mentioned that you had your own experience. You went to the mainland. Talk about how people get tests, how that's working out, and maybe your own experience is the best example we can use. Well, our island being the one island that is mandating a second test has affected a lot of different things, both in the communication. It's also affected the postponing of our hotels, the rest of the hotels on the island for opening where most of the hotels on Maui, Kauai, and and elsewhere were opening in October. We postponed that a little bit because we wanted to see how the process would end up going. And my specific travel experience, and I can say that it was a little different than that we're finding out today, is the tested partners 
from the mainland and the pre-test side of it has really become the largest challenge, making sure that the individuals who are coming in do go to the uh, approved partner list, get the tests that are, are within our partnership alliance, and that will help out quite a few things. The challenge is finding out if you've got one in your area. And my personal experience was actually very smooth. Once I got to the point of finding a location to take a test, I was having a very similar challenge finding a test, but in a little bit different way. Because I was a Hawaii resident and using a Hawaii address, many of the appointment requests that I had put in for trusted partners were kicked out. And also because I was not symptomatic or had any other reason for really taking a test would get kicked out as well. So learning that and finding a testing facility that was associated with Walgreens, there was a drive-through opportunity, one of four in the entire state of Iowa, which I was visiting. And when I went to go make an appointment for the drive-through, I used my mother's local address. So it showed that we are we were physically there in Iowa, and I had to also explain in the questionnaire that I had been in locations that could have potentially been higher levels of COVID, which I truly could have been in, in, in my travels. So by answering it those ways, I was able then to actually get an appointment for a test. Uh, we had the test at 9.30 a.m. on a Saturday when our departure time was 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, we went and did the drive-through test. It was an NAAT rapid test, and we had results within an hour and a half, and it was at no cost. So being Walgreens and an approved partner, we were able to fill out the Safe Travels app or the information on Safe Travels, and then also download our negative test results to that, which really helped out quite a bit with reassurance as we hopped on that plane on, on Sunday. Of course, on the mainland, there are no travel restrictions. There's no questioning about anything between different flights. Any of the other flights that I took from Cedar Rapids to Chicago or Chicago to, to uh, San Francisco, no one had any other requests, travel requirements, testing, or anything else as you hopped on an airplane to do that. And those flights were absolutely at 100% capacity as well. And then our arrival process coming in, the San Francisco flight to Kona was only about 30% full. It was an evening flight, which helps as well. Uh, we came into Kona. We landed at about... 9.30 in the evening, went through, we had the QR code, we were able to get through the first screening pretty easily after getting our temperature checked by the National Guard once you depart the plane. And then we got into the queue of filling out a, another piece of paper for our testing. They gave us a little sticky tab that goes with our testing unit. And we were able to take it all family kind of loaded up and through that. And then you wait for your 20 minutes uh, following that. And by the time we were heading to the baggage claim to grab our bags and head out, it was still around that hour time period. So we had cleared through pretty quickly, but you're only looking at a total of possibly 50 people 
on one flight that came in at that time. It sounds like the clue for people from here who do go to the mainland and want to come back is use a local address when you request your test, even if it's the address of the hotel you're staying at or B&B or something, yeah? Absolutely. I've, I've talked to a few other individuals that are, have kind of went through the same situation and flown back after I had, and many of them actually use their phone to set up the appointment, and if you use your geolocator on your phone, it pulled your, your, actually your exact location as where you're at as well. So I think that is going to be key as our residents return from the mainland is make sure that you're using some type of identification related to your address on the mainland. That's so interesting, and clearly something, apparently the state has not worked out with its trusted testing partners, because unless people hear it from you or somebody else or are listening to this interview, they might not know it, and they might get pretty frustrated trying to set up their pre-travel test. And, and it could be hit or miss. It, it depends on, on the trusted partner that you're using, if, if your Hawaii address may go through, but... Yeah, my, my suggestion is to make sure that you just use whatever, even if it's a hotel location that you have from the mainland, use your hotel address that shows that you are physically there. And and I think it could be just an algorithm with the appointment process that it needs something tangible in, in the local area to be able to verify it. A Hawaii address, I think, it, it would just kick itself out anyway, regardless. The other thing that... I don't know if people can always control this, but I have heard of very lengthy delays at the airport. We're talking three or four hours. And so if people can get a flight that isn't coming in when every other flight is, because I think part of that problem was several flights landing at the same time. That meant that there were lots of people in line here in Kona. Yes. At peak times, you're going to see anywhere from 250 to 350 arrivals coming in simultaneously. That line gets it much longer during that, and it's really it's the midday as well. So, I did speak with another individual that's associated with one of our activity partners here. He's the owner of that activity. Came back from the mainland, and it was a three and a half hour process for him. And he, he came in just three days ago. Wow! So it's it's still lengthy it is it takes time just your time to get people processed and a brief interruption to remind you this is island conversations and i'm sherry bracken today we're talking with ross birch he's the executive director of the hawaii island visitor bureau and we just are talking about tourism now that tourists are coming back to the island now that we have the pre-travel testing i was quite pleased to hear ross give us his thoughts on how we the island residents can get testing if we go to the mainland and it's time for us to return because this pre-travel testing probably will last for quite a while. Next week, we are not going to talk about the national election. Don't worry about that. But we are going to mention some of the local election results. And I'm hoping to talk with one of the candidates who has been successful in Tuesday's upcoming election. And speaking of that, 
Be aware, and I know you know this, Election Day is Tuesday. Our state does allow last-minute same-day registration and voting, and if you still would like to do that, you may do so at one of our two voter service centers at Hilo's Alpuni Center Conference Room or at West Hawaii Civic Center. The two voter service centers will be open Monday from 8 to 4.30 and Tuesday, Election Day, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But 7 p.m. is a hard stop. You need to be in line before that if that is of interest to you. The other thing is, if you need help with voting, If you need a voting machine, the Voter Service Centers can help you. And you may also take your ballots back. If you've not yet mailed your ballot, please don't put it in the mail at this point. It won't get there. You may take it to one of the two Voter Service Centers, or you may drop it in a ballot drop box, which you may find at West Hawaii Civic Center, Hilo County Building, Rodney Yano Hall, and Captain Cook, at the police stations in Kapa'au and North Kohala, Waimea Police Station, Lapohoihoi Police Station, Pahoa Police Station, or Na'alehu Police Station. And these ballot drop boxes are open 24 hours a day. They will be open Tuesday until only 7 p.m. There'll be somebody at each ballot drop box to collect the ballots at that time. So your vote very much does count, especially for our local races. And as you know, we have U.S. representative to vote for who represents the neighbor islands. Of course, other important Jobs are Hawaii County Mayor, County Council District 1, that's Amakua Coast, and County Council District 5, Puna, plus 16 charter amendments. If you have not yet reviewed the charter amendments, there's an Island Conversations podcast wherever you get podcasts or at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com that includes an interview with members of the League of Women Voters. We're going to return to Ross Birch of the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau as soon as we hear from our generous sponsor, KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. There are obviously a lot of questions about this, and I know that the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau's main job is trying to market tourism, but I understand you're also answering a lot of the phone calls. Oh, yeah. Our job is to assist the visitor experience altogether. You know, we are a pre-arrival marketing entity. That's our number one focus, and it's definitely changed over the last few months when we've had no activity to starting to revamp activity, but still not necessarily fully opening uh, the doors completely as as limited the amount of marketing we've been able to do. So the biggest area that we see the need and, you know, I I have to give credit to HBCD, John Monahan, the head of the entity, and for John DeFries working together that, you know, we've kind of stepped in and supported Anytime there's been a gap in keeping that customer service level to where we want it to be, this is not an easy time. It's not, they're not the best conversations by far. And just as an, as an example, even when we were in high times, just because we've had regular travel and most of 
the entities can answer questions themselves. Our call volume has been between 30 to 35 calls a day statewide. We're now seeing anywhere between 2,000 and 2,500 calls a day. And it's mainly because we've got so many different stipulations and what we're finding, the, the number one question is, is finding a tested partner, a, a Hawaii testing partner that's appropriate for that pretest. So we've definitely figured out and, and are supporting how we can get people in the right direction to do that. 2,500 calls a day, my gosh. A lot of questions, obviously, which tells me that there's somehow not enough information on the state's travel website. Is that the conclusion I should draw? We've done a great job in working together, the DOT, the HDA, HVCB, and any other acronyms you can think of that are relating to the visitor arrival process. It's there, including the county has a lot of information that's available on their website from a travel standpoint as well. It is just, it, it is more of a convenience factor, I think, for individuals who are wanting to travel here. There's a comfort level in talking to someone and walk through it than it is to try to find and dig for these things sometimes through the websites where it, it really is housed. We end up using those references ourselves to get the very specific wording But it's much easier for us to find these different things within the website and and the areas there than it is for someone who is just hopping on blindly and saying, I'm looking at traveling, where where do I start? Well, and you're doing it all the time. You're answering hundreds of calls a day, so it's probably right in your head all the time. And Ross, in the last Monday morning State House COVID-19 committee, it was this last Monday, Konokohala Chamber Executive Director Wendy Laros said she's getting the word from local merchants and tour companies that they are beginning to see visitors back. Some business, but not obviously as much business as we'd like. So what's the overall status of tourism as you see it? now and where it really needs to be to start supporting our hotels and our tour companies and our local merchants? Uh, I think we got a pretty slow start, actually, to our opening process. And you you can see that in the numbers that are coming through. You know, the Hawaii Tourism Authority's website has the daily updates of the arrivals coming through TransPAC. And we're still... Our island specifically is is trending far below the average numbers of Maui and Kauai from a pure visitation standpoint. Total arrival numbers are are not too far off, but the visitation side is still lower, and I think it's really due to our second testing. It's due to kind of the lengthier process that, that we're requiring, and it's also because we haven't had the majority of our hotels or properties open at this point. So once we get our properties open and going, the system of arrivals uh, a little bit more fine-tuned and we, we get the testing process set, I can definitely guarantee those numbers will definitely double or triple as we work through November. When are the Kohala Coast hotels and other hotels on the island planning to open? Most hotels are looking at even starting say, on Sunday, the 1st of November, 7th, or 14th. It's kind of uh, staggered through the first three weeks, two to three weeks of of the month of November. And then uh, 
the Four Seasons of Walleye is going to open on December 1st. That's great. Yeah, everybody will be up and running as we start hitting our, our holiday season. You've talked a little bit about communication relative to just the basic rules, but one of the complaints has been, and I don't know how much it's happening on this island because most of the publicity is about Oahu, but it's about people who come here as visitors, but they don't wear masks or they seem to not know that's a rule. What do we need to be doing to improve communication, do you think? Or is the communication there and people are just ignoring it? It's a little bit of, uh, I think, all of the above. I, we've, we've got a pretty uh, extensive campaign with videos and placements that is definitely get the messaging out there from a pre-arrival and during the arrival process. The video that, that we have that HVCB on a statewide level is created is in all of the airports with the governor's message in front of it. It's also within the airlines. And many of the hotel properties are adding it to their in-room opportunities. And we're also getting it into the social media platforms. We have been in the past. Our Kuleana program we ran uh, last year uh, did kind of a a geo-tracking opportunity where we could get a message in front of someone that has a telephone number that's not from Hawaii, and as soon as they arrive at the Kona or Hilo airports and they go onto a social media platform, our messaging is the first thing that they see. So we've implemented that technology into the mask wearing and what we have from a statewide standpoint and it's what we would like to see our visitors do in favor of keeping covid You know, one of the things that Dr. Mugishi said last Monday was that at this point, with some of the numbers in our state going up, that some of the people who come here would be more likely to get COVID here than to give it just because they already have been tested, and particularly on this island, tested not once, but twice. So, but it's good if they get this message. I have to tell you, being one who does not understand how these things work. I'm totally impressed that you can get a message to pop up when somebody goes onto their social media because that that's impressive, Ross. Well, it, it's using the assets you have available and getting it into the, the the right way. And I think people will actually watch something that pops up on their social media a lot more than they're going to watch the video potentially at the baggage claim. Your moms and dads might see it at the baggage claims, but the rest of the family are definitely distracted and want to check other things out and hopefully we can get the message trickled all the way through that process and I absolutely agree with you as the way the numbers are and the, the way we're looking especially from the tests that are being done at the airport post arrival all that there is a better chance for someone coming in to catch it here than, than there is to bring it in so and that's been kind of the opportunity. So I, I would hope that also puts, you know, the resident sentiment and our own local residents a little bit more at ease that the testing process is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. And we can always help as local residents to, you know, reach out to those visitors and nicely inform them of, you know, that we are uh, mask wearers and, and we prefer it as an 
an island. Well, that's something that I think is really important for us to reinforce. And we've heard from our own mayor, we've seen what's happened on Lanai, not wearing masks creates problems. And we should be wearing masks no matter what, whether people have had COVID or haven't had COVID. Wearing masks is a super good thing to do. And so part of it, I imagine, is just setting the good example and as you say, you can say things nicely. I have started doing that if I see people without masks, just like, hey, are you aware that we need to wear a mask in here or wherever we are? So thanks for bringing that up. Is there anything else we should know as island residents? Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, I appreciate the visitors that we do have coming in. They've gone through a lot of hurdles to get here. And they, they truly want to enjoy the island the same way that, that we do as local residents. And as we start to move a little bit further and further, we definitely need to get a certain level of visitation before our hotels can bring back a substantial amount of employees and get back into line. And that's truly what we want to focus on is getting that workforce back in place and, you know, as an island, uh, start to function again. Anything else before we say aloha, Ross Birch of the Hawaii Island Visitor Bureau? No, I always appreciate the time with you, and and this is a great opportunity. We definitely are pushing hard the message to our visitors to appropriately visit the islands, and I want to make sure that our residents are in line with that as well. Great. Thank you so much, Ross. It was a pleasure talking with you. Aloha. Aloha, Sherry. Thanks. And, of course, a really big thank you to you, the listeners, because... You're what makes this important. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next week and another Island Conversations, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.